gentlemen, we are back with another weekly podcast here of The Overlap. I'm obviously joined here once again with Rian, my friend, my brother. Um, I, I, I hate all the top teams in England, man. Uh, no, not, not even the top teams in England. I just hate all the top teams in Europe, actually. They're all, they're all garbage. Uh, I, don't, I don't hate them all, dude. I like I know I like one of them. I like a couple. Of them. All right, you can like Chelsea. Whatever. I, I don't really care. I honestly, this weekend though was like. So I was in Boston. I I took a weekend to to get out of the city a little bit, and while I was there, like I tried to like keep up with some of the games, but I only got a, a chance to watch like a handful of them because I was visiting a friend of mine. But I kept up with the notifications, and I can confidently tell you that the notifications for any of these games were ten times more stressful than actually watching the game. Because every time I saw a goal that was definitely not scored by one of the, the big teams or one of the top teams in Europe, that was that was terrible. It was just it was uh, beyond help. <laughs> it was. Some of it absolutely stunning. Some of it just so predictable. Um, <laughs> did you? Did you? I mean, did you watch a lot of? Like, I, forget, like what, what did you do this weekend? So I, uh, well, I moved all, I moved my stuff into my apartment. Finally, uh, I'm not in Queens anymore. Um, I don't have to uh, get up at. <laughs> ungodly hours. Not in the even, it's not ungodly hours, but you know, I would have to get up. Basically two and a half hours before my uh, job because my commute was about an hour, but now my commute's been cut down to about twenty five minutes. So that's, significantly, that's better. pretty nice. But during this day, uh, yes, I did watch. I did watch these games. I did watch. Well, actually, I turned off Arsenal and Wolves <laughs> uh, after Arsenal scored. Actually, because oh, because, okay. because City and Liverpool were both down a goal, and um, we're not going to be talking about the City and Liverpool games uh, in this episode because we have a special bonus preview of their uh, clash this weekend, so we'll be putting out an episode of previewing that uh, in a couple days. But With a special guest. Yes, with a special am. guest as well. And so, didn't watch much of uh, Arsenal Wolves, but I can tell you that while I was watching the uh, City match... And the score flashed up in the upper right-hand corner that Wolves had pulled a goal back. I audibly cracked up (laughs) because I can only imagine. It's just, they're so predictable at this point, man. I don't know how you're going to find a way to defend this man, Unai Emery, again here, but... (laughs) said it a couple weeks ago, and I will keep saying it, he's, he's just a guy, he's just a guy, he's not a good man, <laughs> he's, he's just a guy, red, first red flag, he doesn't pick the captain himself, they take a vote, is this high school, like, what? <laughs> he's not playing a captain here, okay, dude, it's, uh, it's modern day Riverdale, <laughs> and, and, and then we go into every match where um, if Lucas Torreira is playing, he is somehow in the number ten spot uh, because because that makes sense. Why not? I guess. <laughs> um, and obviously, the continuing playing of his center backs—he's not changed the center back pairing, right? It's still Socrates well, well, like, and Davies. 
Like, <laughs> that's a better... It, can it get worse? The, <laughs> no. So... Actually, maybe it can. Maybe Mustafi comes in for David Luiz and actually makes it worse. Maybe. No, no. <laughs> no. It's not even... Da- it's not David Luiz's fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you literally get what you pay for. You get... You literally you pay get what you eight pay million for. pounds for him. And, and people were saying, what a steal. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Only Chelsea fans had watched Davies play. Anyway, no, they're getting they're getting exactly what they paid for in almost every sense now, in, especially in terms of the manager. I don't know where we go from here. I still feel like there's a pretty good chance he gets fired before Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but. My only reason for not thinking that, obviously, is because of the stature of the club. Not the stature of the club, but the, men, the way the Arsenal have been prone to hold on to very mid, 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 mid-tier <laughs> managers um, for longer than they should. But I, I don't even I don't have much to say about this team tactically and tactically anymore. Like we've we've said all there's been there needs to be said. I'm gonna give. Credit to Nuno Espirito. Goat. Yeah. I'm going to give credit to Wolves. Because, once again, they've gone away to a uh, supposedly top team and gotten a result. That's just disrespectful. I mean, they've they've done it again. Um, I do wonder, I was listening to, I forget which podcast I was listening to, but someone brought up, why does Nuno never get... Included in like the rumors of becoming manager of a team of one of the top teams stuff, and I agree. I think he'd be great. <laughs> like tactically, he would. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like he's. It's not like he had a chance at a massive club, failed, and now is coaching Wolves. You know, he's. I would. I would argue though that Valencia is a bigger club, and. I think it went poorly there. Like the reason why I don't think he's made it to that ranking in people's minds is because he. I don't know if, if he has the personality for it. He's a genius and he's smart, but he's not like a. He's not a pepper a clop, right? He's he's not that vocal and he's not in your face about. Then again, neither is Ernesto Valverde, and that look how that is. But Unai Emery looks scared on the sidelines <laughs> all times. Yeah. He always looks yeah. like really pressed. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I do also think that the stress of the job right now is is currently getting to him. I think that we're starting to reach a breaking point with Unai Emery, and I know you've been calling for his head for weeks, and I don't know. I hope they keep him. (laughs) For your sake, yes. For your sake, that's different. But, like, I, a part of me still believes that he will be here for, like, at least a couple more months. Quite honestly, because they're Fair. in the table, they're not sinking. You know, Tottenham are sinking, and Pochettino's still around. But then again, Arsenal fans and the way the club is run are very different. So, if I had to put money on it, I still think he's here past Christmas. That's my honest opinion. But Arsenal have their own trouble story about with him. Do it. outside of him, I should say. Do it, Arsenal. Sell your soul to the devil. And bring in Jose Mourinho. <laughs> it can't get worse. One and two. It could become pretty good. Who knows? I mean, I. Who do you take right now, Emery not, or Mourinho? Emery. 
Emery. Oh. I don't think Mourinho's the Off coach. Of for what? Mourinho doesn't coach the players that are currently playing for Arsenal. Those those profile players. Yeah. He's because they're all mid. They suck. He doesn't. You're right. He doesn't coach players that suck. That's not what I mean. I mean he doesn't coach attack-minded players well. Give Give me a team that is attack-minded that he has coached well. Uh, Real Madrid, 2012. They made what 100 points in a season. Only team, only team that I will give you that exact season. Outside of that, Inter, definitely not United, definitely not Chelsea. They, it was all the same style of essentially playing. Winning. What, what do you want, Arsenal fans? Do you want to make the Europa League final again and get battered by, like, Napoli or something? Like, wh- wh- do you want to actually win something that's not the FA Cup? Do you feel like you actually have a chance to win an important trophy? I mean, they probably do. Arsenal fans, clearly you can obviously respond to this any way you feel free. But <laughs> I'm assuming that if Unai Emery gets let go, that... Jose Mourinho, A, is not going to be the person to replace him. I don't think he should be, but I don't think he will be either. And B, I don't know if there's a good replacement for him right now. I don't know if there's a manager that could come in. Maybe Kike Setien, like that maybe. But like even then, that would be a, that would be a step up. I, I mean, I guess it would be a step up, but I don't know if Setien's ready for something like that. I don't know. Because Arsenal also are kind of... They're not in crisis or anything like that, but they're definitely all over the place a little bit right now. Yeah, in terms of like the actual football. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and I don't, yeah. Think, I don't think he's someone to come in and like repair that. I think if the club has a mentality, they're starting off and they want to go a certain direction. He might be that person to implement that, but I don't think he's there. He's not a rescue type manager, you know. Like Allegri is that kind of kind of manager for me. Uh, Thomas Tuchel, even or Blanc, even like those guys can do that for me, but like not not Kike Setien. But yeah, I think regardless, Unai Emery is here to stay for a little bit. Um, but yeah, going back to this weekend. Yeah, Arsenal really shit the bed. <laughs> they did. And then, like I said, there, there's nothing else to say about them tactically. We, we I think I'm going to just go crazy in, in terms of watching their midfield. And just the absolute so lack. Bios, where are you at? <laughs> the absolute lack of creativity slash just structure, generally, that's there. Um, so, yeah, it, it seems a lot of the stuff is, is not necessarily on the pitch kind of, kind of problems um, in terms of their squad and obviously the manager. But to another North London team that just garbage finds new ways to just depress people watching their games, really. Um, (laughs) Tottenham finished 1-1 with Everton. The game completely overshadowed by um, Andre Gomez's just horrible, horrible Horrible injury. Yeah, that was um, brutal. Absolutely. Which, you know, for the, I've never seen this before on TV because obviously, I, like, I watched the Gordon Hayward game. I yeah. watched the Kevin Ware game. Maybe the Kevin Ware game they didn't show the replay, but they showed the replay for sure in the Gordon Hayward yeah, one. They, yeah. In this one, they on the NBC broadcast they it's, showed it's, it up until right. It actually the snapped. break. Yeah. yeah. They showed it right up until the break and stopped it there. Right. Um, so I've never seen that before. So I had to I had to go on like Reddit and find it myself. I even even I haven't seen it. Uh, I actually I, I was never able to find it because I think 
it's been so not so well protected, but like mm. publicly it hasn't been yeah. almost glorified. You know. Yeah, I mean? yeah, like, I, yeah. And I respect that. Yeah, and it was. It's, I mean, it's hard to find it. You can't. You can't find it on like Twitter or anything. It, no. If it's not. If it wasn't like shown on the broadcast, right? Like, um, so yeah. So anyway, so that horrible, horrible injury, and obviously we saw today that um, Sun's red card got overturned. I'm not upset that he got a red card in that game. I'm happy that they made it so that he didn't have to miss out on any other games. But the point of giving a red card is because the play endangers and seriously injured the opponent. And in this one. The foul, which he was not going for the ball at all. It was it was mm. one of those tactical fouls, yeah. ever that ends up endangering an opponent, which was endangering an opponent, and it actually led to the worst case scenario. Right. I don't think it's that. I I personally did not think it was crazy to go back to go and give him a red for that because I yeah no I, I actually see what you're saying. I hadn't really thought about it in terms of like it led to an extremely endangering situation, but. Let's take it in the context that that leg break had not happened and, sir, you know, say Aurier yeah. had not hit him in that particular part of the leg. Then it, it's, it's a... It's a yellow. I, it's I, yellow, I, I right. think it's a yellow. If it doesn't break his leg, it's a yellow. Right. And but that part is out of I control. Know. I, I realize, I realize that. But to some level here, why do we, as fans of the sport... Or the sport itself, why do you want to encourage those types of tackles? Like those tackles where you're not going for the ball at all. Yeah. And there is always this possibility that that could happen to someone when you play those kind of challenges. We shouldn't be like, okay, just a yellow, take it and let's play on. Right, right. I, I don't think we should encourage those types of tackles, even if it means that. Sometimes, sometimes, obviously, someone won't break their. Most of the time, people won't break their legs. But you know, if that type of tackle leads to someone breaking their legs, then the referee should be able to, to say, "All right, well, you actually did end up almost ending someone's career, possibly right. ending someone's career." Right. I'm not just, like it's not just a caution. Yeah. <laughs> like you're yeah. cautioning someone for actually hurting someone. Like. I think it, uh, it's such a tough situation. Like, it's because of the sensitivity of the injury and how public it was and how devastating it was, I really... I, I, I understand why people would give that a red card, and I understand the, the sort of the, the reasoning behind it and the replications of that, or repercussions of that, I should say. But for the sake of just the footballing act of it, I, because of the intent... I think it was a yellow card, and because of the severity of the actual tackle, I think it's a yellow card. It's just a really unfortunate situation, which it led to the collision with with Aurier. Um, who, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to pull out of a challenge like that if you're Aurier. Like, I don't blame Aurier at all for that for that matter. Like, I, I think he collided with him, but like, it's kind of the natural range of motion. Um, it, yeah, for me, it's a yellow card, but. It's just it's it's horrible. It was just a horrible situation, but an overly boring match. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, knows? of course, it ended in a draw. Yeah, yeah. One one may, may probably was deserved. It was. I mean, the Deli Alley goal was from an absolute gift from Iwobi. Just missed a ten yard pass and passed it directly to uh, I think it was Son. But um, yeah, horrible game in every sense and. It deserved to end in a draw. <laughs> yeah, deservedly so. But who knows? Is this the game 
that turns Tottenham's season around. A, a, a draw, draw away from home. Oh my God! To Everton. I don't know. Before I was told the Southampton game coming back from down to, down a man was the was the turn, and then I was told beating uh, Red Star Belgrade five nil at home was the turnaround. But I actually think this is the one. I think this is the one. A, a win away from home against. 17th place at Everton. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I was also told the Watford win at home where they scored. <laughs> what was it? Four and four? They, scored, uh, they scored at the end, literally to draw one oh, one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah, scored yeah. in the 90th minute. You know, uh, that win against. You could say it was a turning 20th point. Watford, who still do not have a win. <laughs> I thought that was I, I was. I was told that was also the turning point. But this might be the one. I think this might be the one. Yeah, so um, for all Tottenham fans listening, it's time to uh, turn your season around because it starts now. No, this is this means nothing. This is boring. It's overshadowed by an injury, and your team sucks. That's that's our that's our very tactical and analytical view. Again, nothing team. else to say about this team tactically. I'm, I'm going to go blue in the face by just by talking about the tactics of this team. They they're still horrible in all the areas that they were horrible. Like a week ago, so we would bore you guys even more if we continue talking about about that team. But yeah, um, with that, we're gonna go ahead and move on to a slightly more interesting team and performance. Um, congratulations! That's how many wins in a row up until, of course, the Ajax game, which right. irrespective of that, right, but, right. Um, that is now, I believe, six league wins in a row. Um, a two-one win away for Chelsea at Watford. Um, which the scoreline actually probably flatters Watford a bit, especially since the VAR, the VAR at the end. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I, I actually, I'll, I'll get into it, but but for the Chelsea Watford game, especially um, another goal from Pulisic, and. He was pull, good. Pull assist. Pull assist. Yeah, pull assist. <laughs> yeah, baby. Don't think I forgot that. Um, but another goal from him. Uh, you know, he's he was great again today against Ajax. Um, he, he's he's. I I, I don't, I don't want to get too high again again on him again because I think he is just very a very good player. So, you know, this is the level that he's at. He's he's a good player. We don't need to go too much on him, but. Uh, a good win from Chelsea, and also a good win from Leicester's side too. Leicester going away to Crystal Palace, um, winning two nil. These are the two most consistent teams outside the top two, like, and obviously it's very easy to say that because they're also six points up on fifth place. Um, so we're seeing great stuff from Leicester. I, I mean. I don't know. I don't know if they finish top four still, but Chelsea or Leicester? Leicester. But I mean, the, the competition <laughs> for top four is so depressingly slim right now. <laughs> I mean, it's actually so depressing. Yeah, but this is the most competitive league in the world, right? I I don't think they are the I don't think the league is that good this season. Yeah, I agree. I I'm sad. I don't think they're that good. Gonna, I don't think I'm the league gonna, is good. I'm gonna take this audio, not only take it out of context, but keep it in context for the future. Just so you know, but continue. I mean this particular season it is not the best league. 
And, and granted, people will say, oh, it's competitive because anyone can beat anyone. I, you know, that's only supposed to happen to a certain extent, all right? <laughs> that's like, it's not every week. Like, you know, Leicester winning the title, like, four or five, four years ago did not mean that the Premier League was, like, great. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's still yeah. pretty embarrassing for every other team. Right, right. But, uh, but no, we might see Leicester get into the top four, and, and who would say it's undeserved because... Like I said, they've been very consistent this season. Even if they haven't, like, been necessarily um, dominating teams. And, yes, they their two biggest wins were against teams who were down to 10 men after, like, the first 10 minutes. But, you know, it, all this is going to take to finish in top four is, is some consistency. It's, it's not going to take a special team at all. That's what we're learning now. It's just going to take not self-destructing. I mean, which, which Chelsea have been, right? They've been a very consistent team up to this point. Like, outside of the bumps and, you know, patches in the road that they had in the beginning part of the season, like, five away wins in a row in the league is unbelievably impressive right now for, for Lampard. And so that, that can't go without saying. And if he's able to continue with some consistency going forward, I might have to scale back a little bit and, and actually put Chelsea in my top four in my, my, my post-Christmas predictions going forward. Yeah, I, without a doubt, honestly. So that turns us to the team that uh, in the last episode I boldly predicted could finish in fourth place. Yeah, and I'm not going to back out I, after a week, okay? I texted you about this the second that this game was over. And I said to you, are you still confident in top four? I top, still wait. Gonna, I'm going to wait a bit. I'm going to wait more than one week, okay? All right. Uh, Barcelona lost 3-1 to Levante this weekend. Wow. And, I, and what? You want wow. me to say they're not going to finish in the top two? You can't honestly compare those. Actually, Ernesto Valverde is still our coach, so yes, you can compare those two. But continue. <laughs> but, no, yeah. Okay, so... Not a great look for uh, my prediction this weekend uh, with United. Once again, just basically being like a high school team in terms of creating chances for their forwards. Um, They lost 1-0 to Bournemouth in a game in which Man United's expected goals were at 064 and Bournemouth's were Bournemouth was at 1.87. So once again, I I don't know how it can get worse. I keep saying this, and maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter, right, Ellie? I said last last time that it can't get any worse in terms of their chance creation from midfield, and I was right. It's still horrible. It's as horrible as we remembered it. And I, I just don't know, man. I, they're still okay defensively, but like, I just don't understand how, how you can't create chances with anyone on the field. Do you, do you remember when, I think it was like a week or two ago, you said to me, you were like, you can't keep the same predictions from earlier in the season that, nah, 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 let me finish. You can't keep those same predictions because it's not the same. It, these teams are different three, four months into the season. I'm going to say the same exact thing to you, but not, not, it's only been a week. No, but not earlier in the season because it's, it's Manchester United. 
It's this Manchester United. You can't possibly tell me that this team is going to finish fourth because I'm not a betting man, but I would be willing to put money down that they don't because there's no way that the quality, or sorry, lack thereof, any, te- any part of this uh, team outside of Harry Maguire, Marcus Rashford, Pogba, and Martial. Any quality. Maybe De Gea. Maybe. Wh- How was that a top four team? How? In what world? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see. Just can see. It'll make your life so much less stressful. Uh, and maybe... I'm not going to concede because you said it. Oh, my God. All right. But, Whatever reason. But, it, yeah, I just looked at the table, and they they hit my uh, – uh, The 10 points. Yeah, they hit the 10 point. They're 10 points off of fourth. They're, they're <laughs> not. There's, there actually is, I think, there is legitimately no chance they can finish fourth. There we go. Look at that. There's, there's no way. They're, they're not going to make up 10 points on Leicester or Chelsea. There's no chance. There you um, go. There you go. How, how does it feel? Do you feel liberated? Do you no, feel I don't feel liberated, man. It's I don't like seeing. Well, actually, I, I usually say I don't like seeing good teams be bad, but this is actually not a, a good team. So um, <laughs> you don't mind it then? It's 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 really depressing to watch them a lot of the time. All right, fine. Yeah, it's that's. Look at that! I finally got Rion to cave on something. I now, think they'll finish. I mean, I could put money they'll finish a fifth. Oh, really? Uh, no, they're not. Yeah, maybe. They're not they're top not. six side. Only four points off fit. Or this, fit. This is exactly. Three points. No, no. Four. <laughs> yeah, this man does work in a financial institution. Uh, yeah, it's four points. Okay, sweet. They're not going to finish in the top six. This is exactly why I kept them out of my top six. They're I'm not, not giving that up yet. But that's a more fair claim. Yeah, I'm not giving that up, but who cares? <laughs> anyway, that is a very brief, rigid, and quite frankly, questionable <laughs> review of this past weekend because it was that bad for the top teams in England. But when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit of the rest of the teams in Europe, including Spain, a little bit of the Bundesliga, and even the famed Uber Eats League. <laughs> We are back with another look at the rest of the top games in Europe from this past weekend. And like we said from the beginning, this was not a good weekend for the top teams. And so we're going to start off in the Bundesliga, where Bayern Munich got off to a fantastic start. um, And then they lost badly to Frankfurt. 5-1, 5-1, and it was not pretty at all. Um, in fact, it was so bad that Niko Kovac, there, I believe he's Croatian, right? Yes. Yeah. Croatian manager was fired by Bayern the day after. And um, there was there's something that I loved. I, I, know, I don't know about the validity of this, so take it with a grain of salt, but there were quotes coming out of the Bayern camp from... During, I think, the halftime game during uh, the Frankfurt halftime game. And that wasn't phrased right. Halftime during the Frankfurt game. Jeez, <laughs> that's what I meant. Okay, so during that game, apparently Kovac just 
went off at the team, but he started like singling out players. Like he started being like, oh, yeah. Boateng, you're not doing this, and Muller, you're not doing that, and Lewandowski, you need to do this. And apparently everyone in the locker room was just like lost, just totally bewildered and had no idea what he was talking about. And um, when you lose that kind of disconnect with your with your locker room, then you have no shot of continuing on. Yeah, I think I think it was uh, I think Rafa Honigstein, who, uh, who writes for the Athletic, but Bundesliga guy. Um, I think he said that Kovac or Kovac had gone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that uh, Kovac had gone to the Bayern board either the day after the game, the Monday after the game, or the um, or that night or something, and offered up his resignation. To, to the barn board and and they were just like yeah that's yeah, <laughs> that, that, yeah that's, that's, that sounds like something we should do yeah no but th- that's the thing like I I do have a little bit of respect for him at least leaving on that type of note where it didn't turn into a feud of some sort where it didn't turn into something way too overly dramatic and where he tried to stake a claim whatever but Maybe his time is up unlike some other managers in Europe who cannot tell they sit on the sideline looking like they are taking a shit while also being yelled at by their parents or something like that. <laughs> Not singling anyone out in particular, but yeah, I agree with you. I agree. The, the sad part is you could be talking about like multiple different managers right now and I have at least three in my brain. But yeah, so Kovac is out. Um, Bayern, who haven't played particularly well, I think the Spurs game sugarcoats a lot of things that this team hasn't really been able to get right over the last couple of months. Like, even in the league, if you watch them play over the last couple of weeks, like, it hasn't been stellar. Coutinho, even his, not development, but his sort of performance levels have, have dropped in recent weeks, and it, it seems as though even Gnabry and, and overall the team hasn't lived up to the, the quality that they have. And so part of that, obviously, I'm sure, is Kovac, but it almost feels like the team needs a new type of energy, and ever since Pep left, they haven't been able to get it right. They just, it's, it's hard to replace Pep. Like, a lot of teams, Barcelona took forever to replace him. Bayern will probably take a while. City will probably take a while. But it, it, it's going to take them some time to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, on the Pep thing, because yeah, he changes, he kind of just changes the way that, you, that your players think about the game and stuff, and just fundamentally kind of changes how they look at football and stuff, which is obviously a great thing, and, and for managers to be able to do that is extremely impressive. But it, but there does seem to be this kind of thing where after he leaves, then teams are kind of in this middle ground, right, where they have a tough time fully replacing him and or finding maybe the right style of manager to come after him. We saw I mean, Ancelotti came after Pep at Bayern, and what, he was there for maybe like two seasons, and by the end of it, you know, the players were complaining that they actually don't train that much, they like don't do that much like tactical training and stuff, and, and how it's so much different to uh, to Pep, and, and granted, Ancelotti is just that type of manager, he's doesn't, he doesn't really like focus on that stuff too much, but, great manager nonetheless, but, um, yeah, they haven't, they haven't quite found their way, like last season, they won the league, but they weren't spectacular, and, um, you know, a lot of it was Dortmund kind of giving up the league at the end of last season, really, uh, more than anything else. So it, we'll see where they go from here. But 
what do we think is their next step here? Do one, do we think that they go with the interim and just see the season out, or do they? Do you think they go for their full time manager right now? Yeah, that's that's a question that really needs to be answered. And if I'm to answer from my perspective, I think they go with an interim. At least for me, I think that's what they should do. Because I don't think you can find a manager right now that's willing to take on the load of a team that's aiming for, you know, obviously the Bundesliga, obviously going deep in the Champions League. There will always be in the mindset of a lot of uh, people's minds for competing in that sense. But I don't know. I A part of me thinks that, an interim should take over until they're able to fully get a manager in maybe before the Euros even next year. And they're able to start the process of revamping a little bit. I don't think the team needs a lot of revamping, but I do think they need a little bit of revitalization. And I think the only way to do that is by starting fresh, um, not in the middle of the season to to take over in, in emergency mode, but to fully take over when you have the summer to plan and when you have time to work with the players. That's the only way that you can properly do things and start implementing your ideas without them kind of losing losing it, you know? Right. No, no, I, yeah. I, I think, obviously, the sensible thing is to wait till the summer, and that's more or less when, that's obviously when the top managers are, who are coaching clubs right now. Um, that's when they're going to look to make their moves, if they want to move, to. And, you know, they're still the most talented team in the Bundesliga, so you know that if you can just get an interim coach who is going to just kind of stabilize things more than anything, um, then you're, you're still going to have a great chance to win the league, even though they're, they're sitting four points off right now. It's very crowded at the top in, in Germany. Uh, but I, don't know, I, like this, I like this team as a possible Pochettino candidate um, next season in the summer. Uh, that's, yeah, that's actually not a bad shout. Like I, I can, I can see him fitting in pretty well with with this type of team. Um, will it be a step up? Slash, will he want to make that move? I don't know because Real Madrid is obviously his dream, and I think he would want to go that direction. Um, but I don't know. I, I think stylistically, I can absolutely see that fitting really well with his ideas. But that might be a conversation for later in in the winter months and later in the spring um, once they start figuring out if they don't choose now who their manager full-time will be. So there are rumors of uh, Ten Hag from Ajax, who obviously has ties to Bayern, but he came out the other day and said, I'm staying at Ajax, so that pretty much is done and dusted. Um, so nothing new in terms of uh, Bayern news, but we'll have to wait and see what happens, uh, what happens with their managerial situation. Um, but... Another manager that got into uh, a little bit of trouble this weekend in uh, in France was uh, Thomas Tuchel with PSG. PSG losing their first game of the season in Ligue 1. And, sorry, excuse me, excuse me. I, I should have never said that. Third game of the season, third. Um, there were 12 games in. They've won nine and lost three. And six, seven points uh, <laughs> ahead of second still. <laughs> After those losses, yes. And, um, yeah, so that happened. Um, and, of course, the team that they had to lose to, who I believe they have had trouble in the past against, um, Dijon. Dijon Mustard. Yeah. Dijon Mustard beat PSG by a score of 2-1. to one. Mbappe looked very frustrated after this game. Um, and it's one of those games where... Um, 
well, I don't know, maybe Neymar could have done something, but, you know, if uh, if you think about it, and I sent Ray on this, this link a couple weeks ago, Neymar has literally only played half the games that he possibly could have at PSG. Half of the game. He has missed almost a year and a half, pretty much, of, like, game time. That is, that's absurd. You made how much for him? 220 million euros? But you can't, you can't, you can't project on the injuries. I mean, Greg, I guess he was a bit, he's a bit injury prone in general. That's fair. A little bit, yeah. But, but, uh, you know, you can't really factor that in too much on the transfer fee that it took to, I mean, on getting him. Like, if you have a chance to get Neymar, you have to, you have to do it. But, I mean, PSG will, yeah, probably be extremely, extremely frustrated with this match, especially considering they had five shots within 12 yards of the goal. <laughs> and, yeah. And um, expected goals put them at 3.05 to Dijon's 0. 0.82. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just shows you how the game went and, uh, you know, the quality of the Uber Eats League, as they will be eventually renaming it. It's it's tough. I, I you have to think that at some point they the players on PSG probably don't really care that much about the league when it when it boils down to it really like right. when they get in these positions there's, there's probably some point in the game where they're like all right well it doesn't really matter anyway <laughs> <laughs> we're seven points up <laughs> we're like <laughs> yeah I mean I mean. Yeah, the league, the league, they'll be like thirteen up by Christmas, probably. So, like, and it'll, it'll be done by March. Yeah, exactly. So, in the long run of things, it doesn't really matter for PSG. Their number one goal for the last several years has been the Champions League, and it'll continue to be that. But whether it's their year this year, that remains to be seen. And if you ask both of us, I think we can. We both confidently said at the beginning of the year that is not uh, their year. So we'll leave it at that and move on to Spain. Um, And I will say, so I went to the gym um, about a month and a half ago, um, two months ago, and they they did like a couple health tests and stuff, ran some checks, make sure I was healthy. And apparently the day that I went in, I don't know if this is a recurring thing, but I had high blood pressure that day. Um, There was no Barcelona game that day. There was no league game that day, I don't believe. I think it was actually the international break. And um, today, or rather on Saturday, I can confidently self-diagnose myself with having deathly high bl- high blood pressure. That's where I'm at with this Barcelona team from this past weekend. Three goals in seven minutes. Three goals, seven minutes, and it could have been more. This is a team that has consistently at home beat Barcelona Maybe not last season, but I don't believe it was last season. It was the year before and the year before that, I believe. But I don't even know where to start with this game because it really never felt like there was ever a chance that Barcelona were going to get away with even a point at this game. Like, we were overrun, and I don't know the stats in terms of kilometers run, but I can confidently tell you that Levante absolutely ran way more than Barcelona did. Um... Suarez also went out injured, um, I believe, in the, the second half of the game. And I don't even know where to go with it. Like, you would think that the natural thing would be Dembele was, was a left 
out of the squad for this game, which is a totally different narrative. But you would think maybe Ansu Fati on the left, Griezmann in the middle, Messi on the, on the right. No. It was none of that. It was Griezmann on the left, Ansu Fati somewhere, and uh, Messi wherever he wanted because there's no structure to this team. Um, but yeah, this team is... The, the most concerning thing about this team is the structure and the lack thereof because there is no more distinct structure. In the midfield, maybe, when you play the three of Frankie de Jong, Artur, and Busquets. But recently we've had Artur Vidal, Frankie de Jong, and Sergi Busquets. And I think... Vidal is essentially the better, slightly better version of Paulinho, where he just makes run forward and he is an absolute boss at it, um, and will run and run and run until he dies. But he's not a Barcelona quote unquote midfielder. And when you play the three of Frankie, Artur, and Busquets, you have a lot of control on that, and we've seen it earlier in the season. Um, defensively, shambolic. PK has been absolutely terrible this game or this season. Um, I think all of his tennis escapades and trying to put together his competition has gone to his head. I think the the stat the best defines exactly how poorly that he's doing this season is that in the I think 14 or so games that he's played this season, he's got nine red, nine yellow cards. Excuse me. Oh, Last season, over 52 games, I think he had something like 12 or 14, something like that. So that's where he's at. Um, I, some people were saying that he's a little bit overweight. I don't see it. I I don't know if that's it so much, but he has not had a great season. Longley, on the other hand, individually, I'm very happy with. So that at least we've got going for us. Um, and the attack, need, I don't know what's going on with the attack. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I'm done. I, that, that's it. I'm done. You can, you can talk. Nothing has changed. I mean, nothing has changed in terms of the last like seven months, basically, of how this team plays. Um, and obviously, we saw no bigger, no bigger uh, example of that than the second leg at Anfield, where the strategy was uh, give the ball to Messi and uh, hope that he does something, <laughs> and that was it. And a strategy that I saw used too well last season by um, Chelsea and Mauricio Sarri, where it was just give Hazard the ball, and uh, maybe he'll actually try to do something risky and score. And... Same thing has happened this season with Barcelona. They're still doing the same thing, more or less, when he's in the game, when Messi is in the game. Uh, Expecting him to do everything, which I'm sure happens to everyone when you have a player of that caliber. It's almost hard not to rely on him. But if you're the manager, you're supposed to see the big picture, and he still is not doing that. (laughs) No, and I think... Sid Lowe, who obviously we both love, we we highly rate him as as a both a podcaster and a, and a journalist and, and someone with a very strong footballing sense. He put this perfectly: when you have Messi on your team, giving the ball to Messi is not a bad strategy. But when giving the ball to Messi is your only strategy, then you fall into a lot of trouble. And I think that's where Barcelona are at right now. You can't make that just your entire strategy and and that's it. As the manager, you have to do more than that. You have to be able to work with the team that's in front of you. And it's not like the team doesn't have talent. Like, it's not lacking in talent. It's that structurally, it's not set up properly to take advantage of the talents that this team has. And Valverde, 
over the last two and a half years has not been able to do that. Like, I've been watching boring football for the last two and a half years. I can only think of one game that was entertaining, and that was the Copa del Rey final uh, in his first season against Sevilla, where they won 5 nothing, And that was a beautiful game. But outside of that, I have... Even the wins, like they're not, they're not enjoyable. It's individual performances that shine through, and a lot of them are messy. And I'm, I'm very scared that Antoine Griezmann is turning into the new Coutinho, not because of a lack of talent. We know that Coutinho and Griezmann both have talent, but because of a lack of structure. And he might become the scapegoat for Valverde because if you think Valverde is getting fired because of a Levante loss, and he wasn't fired after Roma and Liverpool. Yeah, he's not getting fired. He's just, yeah, he's sticking around until the end of his contract, apparently. So, yeah, it's it's bad. And I'm not, I'm not over-exaggerating when, I, when I'm explaining this. Like, this is genuinely how the last several years have gone. And it feels like a waste of Messi's last years because you obviously don't want to see something like this happen. So, we'll see what happens the rest of the season. But, honestly, even the rest of the league isn't, <laughs> the rest of the top teams in Spain aren't that great because we saw this weekend Real Madrid at home at the Bernabeu against a Betis, a Betis side who are near the bottom of the table. Um, this is Betis's third draw in a row at the Bernabeu. That is incredible. That's the first, that's actually the first time in history I think that's happened. And throughout this game over the weekend, they weren't. It's not like Madrid were bad. Like they they had a disallowed goal. They like, like they made chances, but they weren't good. Like they didn't play well. Like it was a very fine performance. And I think that if you ask me, this is a somewhat fair result. But this was their chance to go top of the table. And after the game, Sergio Ramos said like we missed our chance. Like, that was the chance, especially because the Clasico is next month. You can start to build a lead on, right. on Barcelona, but they totally missed out. Yeah, and I, I think they'll feel a bit, not hard done by, but they'll feel like they should have finished one of these chances. They had six shots within 12 yards of the goal. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they probably should finish at least one of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, whereas um, Real Betis had zero within 12 yards of the goal. So... <laughs> So, exactly. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, it's again disappointing. Although this was different, it wasn't like they couldn't create chances. This was a different type of disappointing game for them this season. We've seen the lack of uh, a bit of a lack of creativity from very creative players, uh, but but that wasn't the case this time. And you know, Hazard had his goal disallowed, and uh, you know, it, you're right. They they missed a chance to go top. They missed a chance to start trying to build some momentum going into that game, but maybe it won't even matter because neither team each team feel like, feels like they're in a bit of limbo in terms of uh, form right now to the Barcelona and, and Real. So yes, disappointing result mostly because they could have gone top but you know, I, I think I think they'll just have to take it, <laughs> take 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 the take the one point. You know, um, I guess bettering of of Barcelona's result this weekend, but yeah, no one looks convincing. No one, no. None, none of the top three teams look convincing in any sense. No, and this weekend encapsulated it perfectly because if you look at the Atleti Sevilla game, this is a game that Atletico should have won. Like this is obviously this. So this game was at Sevilla at the Sanchez Pichuan, and it. It was really entertaining. From a neutral perspective, I'll I'll say it was very entertaining. But most of the good chances in this game came from Atleti, and they came in the second half. And they came alive, I think, in the second half, where 
Sevilla started to tail off a little bit, and again, Sevilla, if they had a proper striker, could po- genuinely be in the top three right now. But they, Atleti missed the penalty. It was a good save, mind you. I will say it was a fantastic save. And they had some great chances towards the end of this game where at the, I forget what minute it was, but one of the Sevilla defenders has a ball shot straight at him, and it's on the goal line. And the ball is underneath his legs. And instead of kicking it away, he puts, tucks the ball within his legs and, like, almost in his gut and just stays there. And normally what would happen would be the Atletico players would kick him and try and put the ball in the, the goal, which they did, naturally. Um, but if you do that on the goal line, what... As a referee, what do you call that? Like, you, it, it, if you, if the athletic players start kicking the severe defender, you, it, it, is it a foul? Is it a penalty? Is it an indirect free kick? Because for me, yeah. my understanding is that it's indirect free kick yeah, on, on the goal line, on the goal line. Yeah. But what the referee in this game did was he called a free kick to Sevilla. <laughs> for I guess standing over the ball illegally, I it I don't get it. Like I honestly thought it should have been an indirect free kick, which is would have been absolutely hilarious to see play out. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. And to your point on the striker, my goodness, Luke De Jong, six hundred ninety minutes played, twenty two shots, oh. six within the six yard box. Oh. 16 in the penalty area. So he's not taking any long shots. Yeah, no, no, no. And he has zero goals. He is still yet to score. Really? He has, I thought he scored He has one not goal. scored a single goal. In La Liga. In La Liga. He's definitely, I think he scored in another competition, but, oh, which obviously would be the Champions League, but like, mm-hmm. well, he has one goal in La Liga. Oh, one goal. Okay, okay. One is a sub. He has not scored yeah. in a single game that he started. You're correct. Uh, or sorry, not the champ, but the Europa League. But like, yeah, what? Luke Jong, I think in the in the Barcelona game when they came to the camp, now perfectly encapsulated that he had like three chances that within the six yard, yeah, were within, within the, within the yeah. six yard box, and only one goal. Like I'm telling you, if they had a proper striker, this team would be a top three team just because of the goals they'd be able to put in the back of the net because they do everything outside of that really well right now. Even though this is practically a new team that was put together by by Monchi, so yeah. Going back to Atletico, this was their chance to, to start pressuring the, the top two teams. But if you think about it, let's let's look at who the top two teams in La Liga are after this weekend. Because do, do you want to give it to them? Because it's not it's not Barcelona, it's not Real Madrid, it's not Atleti, it's not Sevilla, it's Real Sociedad. Real Sociedad have made it to the top. Uh, they, they, they've done it. It's so great. It's it's uh, they're they're a lot of fun. They're so much fun to watch. That's the probably the best part is that they're actually very entertaining to watch. Um, right, uh, Granada are, have fallen back down as expected, no. as expected. <laughs> but but um, but now they got they got a good win against Granada um, on the weekend, winning two one. Um, looking pretty solid defensively. They only allowed uh, 0.16 in terms of expected goals for for Granada. And this team's just been very consistent. They've been pretty consistent. For Obviously, you don't expect Real Sociedad to win the league, right? But they've been up there with 
in terms of consistency with Barcelona and Real Madrid, who neither have been consistent, really. No. Um, but for Sociedad standards, it's been a wonderful start to the season, obviously. Absolutely, yeah. They're, they're a young team that's really shining, and it's fantastic to see them watch because it's entertaining. It's not like I'm watching Valverde football and uh, falling asleep in the middle of a Champions League game like I did today. It's really, really high-energy stuff, and it's great to watch. And this is no longer a La Liga race to like 90 points anymore because usually around the 90 point mark is where you would see the the champion finish. This is like a race to like 70 right now because these teams have not at all lived up to what their expectations have been. Uh, any of the top three teams that we usually talk about. So yeah, this this could be a year where, where like I said, I think Real Sociedad finished fourth. That was my quarter of the season prediction. And I could genuinely still see that because Sevilla don't have a striker. Obviously, the top three, I think, long-term talent shines through. But, yeah, this has not been a pretty season in La Liga in the same way that it really hasn't been a pretty season in the Premier League either. I, I, remember I said it, like, what, a, couple of month, a month or two ago when we were talking. I think it was probably after the first or second day of Champions League games. You know, no one is – there's no great – I mean, they're, they're, I think I still think the two best teams in Europe are City and Liverpool. But there's outside of them, there's no juggernaut in Europe, really. You know, no one has looked infallible. No one has dominated their league, really. Uh, so, you know, th- this is a, about as I said before, as the best chance I think Manchester City is going to have for a while to. Be the favorite in the Champions League and win it, um, but in terms of like every other league, like there's been a lot of shock results all season, and which has made obviously everything more fun, and, and it's nice to see the parody and stuff. But you know, it, it's good to see that the other teams in those leagues are finding ways to find to find value in players that weren't highly touted by other teams. You know, finding value where where. You know, even the big teams are not are doing the exact opposite in some in some cases where they have paid a fair amount for a player, and the value is just not even remotely close. <laughs> Too bad. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I fully agree. So I'm very interested to see where the teams sort of look like by the Christmas break in La Liga because Real Madrid, Barcelona, or I should say Barcelona play Atletico. And Real Madrid in the next month um, And those are obviously Decisive games Because where those games end up Could prove decisive in terms of how much of a gap There is at the top um, So we'll see We'll see how those teams fare um, I don't know if they'll fare it. it might just be 0-0 draws All across the board at this point um, But no, in all seriousness We'll see what happens um, I am excited, as always, for the rest of the Spanish League But it has just not lived up to expectations So I forgot to I forgot to mention in the in the uh, Arsenal uh, bit that we were doing earlier, they play Leicester this weekend. They play Leicester on Saturday, away to Leicester. And if they lose, <laughs> Unai Emery should be fired the next day. I, I know Leicester's. I know Leicester's a good team, but if they lose away to Leicester and they fall, that'll be nine points back of Leicester. So what, what place would they be in if they 
Well, I think that's probably Arsenal right. are in fifth. They're in fifth. They're in right. fifth right now. They're six points off fourth, which is Chelsea at 23, but Leicester right. also have 23 points. But if they were to lose and both Le- and, bo- and uh, Chelsea also wins, mm. they'll be nine points off of fourth. One point off of my... Uh, yeah. I still I still need to come up with a name for it, but yeah. let's <laughs> your metric, your metric. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say like I don't know so, the cutoff. I'm just putting I had the cutoff right. line of being able to catch a team, but I don't know. Well, that that'll be a game that that a sneaky. I mean, maybe it's not that sneaky because it's third and fifth, but that'll be a great game. That should be a very entertaining game in terms of storylines, no matter what. Arsenal fans, beware! You heard it here first. Rihanna is coming for you and I, Emery. Mourinho might be in the door on and Wednesday. And that is where we're going to stop this podcast because I told Rihanna to be pissed off if he brought up Mourinho or brought up Mourinho again. So with that, I think that covers everything we wanted to cover this week. Look out for our Liverpool City preview of this that week, or excuse me, this weekend's uh, preview of that match that's on Sunday, eleven thirty Eastern stand. No, excuse me, Eastern Daylight Time now. Um, so with that, we will bring you our thoughts next week. But look out for the preview podcast later in the week. So with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off, and we will talk to you guys soon. Take care, guys. Thanks, guys.